Jones. This show is all about the people behind the science of biotechnology and medical devices. Through the stories of the people, I hope that Lab Rats to Unicorns is able to describe the transformative process of you know, how an idea starts in the lab and eventually becomes a life-saving treatment or a product that, that helps patients with diseases. Life, life, life-saving. Well, I'm super excited about today's guest. Um, Yvonne Sepsis is not only a great friend and collaborator, um, but she is a world-leading investment banker. And I want to talk to you about her background, and she's going to get a chance to share her story with us today on the Lab Rats to Unicorns podcast. So Yvonne dedicates herself really to continued growth of the life sciences ecosystem broadly. And when I say ecosystem, I mean globally. Uh, she received her undergrad degree from Northwestern University and her MBA from the Yale School of Management. She started her career in investment banking at Solomon Brothers, was then the head of investment banking at Susquehanna Financial Group, and also then the managing director at CE Underberg Tobin. In 2008, uh, Sepsis joined in the entrepreneurial world and founded her own firm, ESC Advisors. It's an investment bank focused on emerging companies in the life sciences industry. And she has been very prolific uh, in the companies that she's supported over uh, her trajectory and, and career. And we're just delighted to have her on the show today and talk to her about how she accomplished what she has and really kind of what she envisions for the future and where things are going from here in all things biotech. So welcome, Yvonne. Thank you, John, and thank you for that very generous introduction. Well, I, it would be it would be fun to uh, maybe just set the stage for our listeners uh, to give you a chance to talk a little bit about ESC Advisors. What are you doing um, at ESC? And I think that also sets the stage for just a little bit about just the whole kind of field of investment banking and 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 what the focus uh, of your platform at ESC Advisors is. Sure. Well, I really appreciate that. And I have to say, it is such a pleasure to be here and see what you're doing, because we've known each other for a while. Yes, we and have. to see what you're doing in the Chicagoland area, specifically with the ecosystem and building it out from a biotech perspective. So it's just so, it's great to see that and it's great to be here. It's been fun. It's been yeah. fun being part of the community. And building it bigger. You are, and you are. I mean, it's going, it's growing, and not only that, but you're taking the same model into other. I think it's terrific what you're doing and leveraging it because it's very needed. Thanks, Yvonne. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. So ESC Advisors is, as you mentioned, a boutique investment bank, and I work with companies. I advise them both on the M&A side and the, um, on the financing side. So I go in a little bit earlier than mo I would say than most um, investment bankers, only because I like to work with management teams very closely, and I typically do earlier stage deals. So not always preclinical, sometimes in phase one, but usually pre-proof of concept, meaning pre-phase two. I've definitely done things that are commercial and on the market. Um, I spend about half my time in M&A and half my time in financings. And um, I would say, depending on the time of the year, it's split 50-50 Europe and U.S. with some other markets as well. Yeah, and you've always had, you know, more so than, you know, most bankers that I know, just uh, your, your, you know, uh, footprints in both the U.S. and the European markets. And maybe it's worth talking a little bit about the differences in those ecosystems, kind of what, what goes on in Europe. And there's, I know there's a lot of similarities, but yes. are there any nuances, you know, as people think about, the European kind of healthcare marketplace uh, versus the U.S.? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think the similarities actually have gotten less and less from the perspective of, like, as we talked about the ecosystems, right? I think one of the bigger differences 
It's changing, but one of the bigger differences is the amount of money that's in Europe versus the amount of money that's in the U.S. And what we have here is when companies think about going public, they actually think, European or U.S., they typically think about going public in the U.S., not always, Mm -hmm. but more often than not, Mm -hmm. as in, quote, exit strategy, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the technologies um, and the academic medical centers that exist in both areas are both fantastic, Mm -hmm. and they're hidden gems in both. So I've had really the, the... opportunity to work with some great companies, both in the U.S. and in Europe. Well, when you um, kind of step back and break down for our audience, you know, can you, you, you throw out M&A and financings. Can you kind of break each of those down for, um, you know, our, our listeners, mergers and acquisitions and kind of what, what that entails and how you work with companies uh, to go through that process? Yeah, so definitely. At the end, I would say something that might be counterintuitive, they're both very similar processes at the end, because what we put together in terms of just the basics, right, the materials, the approach, the the story, the positioning of the company, the valuation, all of that is applicable to both M&A processes as well as financings. Um, part of it is driven by the market. Part of it is driven by indications what pharma is looking for in terms of, you know, is M&A really a an option here. On the financing side, I work with uh, institutional, right? I don't do high net worth. So it's typically the VCs that we all know and have worked with in the past. So uh, usually what I do with not all, but some companies is we contemplate both options, right? Let's go down a parallel process in terms of both financing and looking at the strategic uh, options as well. And the strategic options, I mean, there's only so many hours in the day, right? We kind of have to think about what we want to do, what's the outcome, do we want a partnership, do we want to sell this, do we want to, is there a collaboration, right? So there are many nuances under the umbrella of M&A. So does does that start to answer your question? Yeah, and one uh, continuation of that question is just as you focus um, in your description around companies that are somewhat earlier stage in nature, late preclinical, phase one, kind of pre-phase two. Can you describe um, what it means to kind of put together the story? You, you threw out that word and the yeah. story around um, going to either strategic investors to convince them to collaborate, acquire, or merge mm-hmm. with you, or to a financial investor to invest in your company. What are some of the maybe differences between that stage of company's story Versus, I don't know, a company that's already got a, a product that's on the marketplace. That's a really good question. So let's start with the latter. The company who has a product on the marketplace, their story is, who are the pa- right? What patient groups are we helping? Who are we? What indication do we have? And what are the revenues associated with that? I.e., what piece of the market are we getting? So that's. I want to say a little bit more straightforward from a how do we tell this story because you can literally say this is what the company is in one bullet yeah. point. Yeah, and they're likely generating revenues. Exactly. So more investors tend to understand a company that's generating revenues right. and maybe even profits as well because they have a product that's there are, that on the other side of the FDA. Right. Every now and then, yes. <laughs> right. Um, I think the interesting, really interesting part about earlier stage companies, I'm going to break it into, put it into two buckets. One is a company that has a technology and they have to wonder about which indications they would go after, i.e. what do they want to, 
what do they want to target, right? If there's an actual asset that's early early days, let's call it preclinical and it's been tested, that's a little bit easier because we know we're going after, here's the asset, here's the mechanism, here's the target, and this is what we're going to go after from an indication perspective. But we've seen so many platform companies, you know, actually go public even in the mm-hmm. last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And when I start working with platform, or anybody actually starts working with platform companies, the question is, okay, we have a platform but a platform, it sounds trite, but it's true. The platform is only as good as the asset that it actually develops. So the question is, what is this platform? How do we describe it, right, part of the story? What is it going after from an indication perspective? What should we be targeting? Is there an unmet need? How high is the unmet need? And, right, so you kind of have to work backwards in a way to figure out what you have and how you best position that to, again, to your point about two investors or potential strategics. So there's um, there are a lot of decisions that go into that. Um, somewhat yeah. seemingly, what's the story, right? There, there's quite a bit behind that. And there's there, it's, you know, investors want both these days. They want the asset, the product that's in the clinic, uh, or the lead program, but they do like the platform, the ability to kind of do more. What's next? You know, right. develop a pipeline. Um, but the challenge, uh, as you've described, is always. Um, the, the platform itself can have many applications. It can go after many different types of diseases, for example. It, maybe sure. it's a unique new kind of modality that can penetrate cells that could have applications in neurodegenerative and cancer and inflammation, et cetera. And so figuring out which area to focus on first right. and then how far down can you go to get that first product to establish proof of concept, meaning it shows enough evidence that it's efficacious and safe, either preclinically or ideally even or clinically, clinically, right? These days <laughs> it has to be clinically, clinically. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully clinically. Right. Um, but that also then could, if with success, it could then validate the rest of the so-called the platform. platform. And Absolutely. now the rest of the flat platform becomes really, really valuable. Do you find any challenges uh, with the innovators or the entrepreneurs behind a company that has the power of the platform, but they have to focus on elite asset and challenges in focusing that founder or that innovator on, you know, let's, we got to concentrate on, on one thing. Yeah, I think that's a, the word focus is the crucial word in that sentence, right? Because there are, investors want to see the same thing. They want to see priorities and they want to see focus. Of course, we want the proverbial additional shots on goal, but what's the focus here? What are we actually going to use, right? Because at the end of the day, investors are going to say, here are use of proceeds. What are you going to use this for, mm-hmm. right? And to your point, we want to make sure that there's some sort of validation or key milestone in those use of proceeds that shows that we have something that's, regardless how you you know uh, define working, right? It might be early days, it might be late, but something that is actually, we can move forward. Yeah, and the farther down the pathway you go you know, toward and into the clinic, the more expensive it gets. Oh. So resources, <laughs> yes. use of proceeds, back to that right. statement, become you know, even more important and critical and you know, it, it really becomes a heavy capital allocation lift. And so concentration of resources becomes Imper- you know, a factor as well. It, it's critical, right? Because if an investor is going to say, we want to make sure we're funded through, not necessarily in this round, but we need to think about what funding looks like as we move forward to phase two and then phase three, those numbers become pretty big pretty quickly. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you, if you kind of then think about that, 
area of focus, maybe you can describe for us what was what's been your journey kind of getting to forming ESC? Mm-hmm. I mean, what what made you get to the point where you said, um, I'm ready to start my own company? I mean, you, you're, you're helping entrepreneurs, but you yourself are an entrepreneur. Right, so I'm kind right. of interested to see what your experience was like making the decision to leave, you know, the larger investment banks to go off on your own. Well, there are a few, probably a few answers to that question, but uh, the the real answer is when I was working at larger banks, right, with full, full platforms and um, quite a few people, The what I really enjoyed doing was working with earlier stage companies. And that is a risk, right? Because the time associated with that and the amount of resources that goes into that just from a right, day-to-day perspective is really quite high. So the ability to do earlier stage deals is not totally hampered at larger banks, but it's just a little bit more challenging to get over that hurdle. Because, right, if you're talking about a large cap, publicly traded pharma company, and you're going to do a deal with them versus an emerging growth, earlier days, fill in the blank, company, technology, indication, whatever, the differences obviously are big. But I think the opportunity to get something working and moving and, you know, helping a scientist, a team, et cetera. Because at the end of the day, that's what matters. It's a science, right? Without that, there's not, but the science, which is really cutting edge and interesting is just, it's fascinating to me. That seems like a key motivator for you um, in terms of kind of just the mission-based approach, um, maybe getting closer to the scientists and getting closer to the mission of impacting a patient. Uh, yeah, I'd like to think so. But again, those sci- these scientists who have f- founded these companies and the teams that have founded these companies have, this is what they've spent years thinking about and doing, right? So it's um, it's really quite an honor to be working with them. Well, switching gears a little bit, but on a related topic, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about your engagement with the Timmerman Foundation and your uh, recent uh, climb yeah. to uh, Everest Space Camp. Would be really love to hear that story. And again, the aim and the mission of, of what uh, what that trek was all about. Yeah, so Luke Timmerman, our fearless leader, um, has climbed... Uh, he's, I think, he, I know he's climbed Everest, but he's also done many climbs. He did a climb the year, well, it was pre-COVID, to Kilimanjaro, and then um, some of us went to Everest last year, actually. Mm-hmm. So it was March of 2022, and we raised over a million dollars for the Hutch, so the Fred Hutchinson in Seattle, which is a premier research cancer research institute. So we had a team that went up, and we made it to base camp. Some of us went a little bit higher, some, um, but it was an absolute. It was it was incredible. It was life changing. It was well, unbelievable. I remember talking to you as you were preparing for it, and maybe it would be interesting to hear you know about your preparation for the climb, and then maybe related if you can, if there are any parallels to. Your climb in your career. I mean, right. and getting to the point where you decided to, you know, cast off on your own and form ESC. Yeah, I think there are a number of analogies, not just to the climbing mode I've done, but to the climb and then biotech and the world of biotech in which we live. So uh, the training was pretty intense, right? They told us what we should prepare for, a lot of steps, a lot of climbing. The people on the coast had a little bit of a, an advantage in that they had mountains. We don't have that here. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. So there were a lot of steps. Yeah. There was a lot of training. 
can can walk up the stairs uh, I, to I the top of, of the Sears Tower or <laughs> something like that. I didn't do that, that <laughs> but I did do a lot of steps. Yeah. And we did, I mean, here we do have the advantage of it was cold, right? Last, I don't know if you're, but it was so cold last winter. So that was beneficial. Sure. So running out, I, I like to run. So I training, running was a big part of it, but as was a lot of weights. Okay. Yeah, just but it's got to be like endurance. And, it was endurance. It was yeah. cardio. It was, yeah. and then just the preparation of, wow, are, are we? Re- am I ready for right, this? Right. Do I, the unknown. Can Can I do this? Yeah. That was a big part. So it was the physical piece, and it was also yeah. the kind of the mental of right. Am I Am I ready to do this? Well, and what? So what happened? So you got there. You start moving and climbing, and we, I mean, were there any like unforeseen challenges, weather conditions, or even just like what was your mindset as you? Started off. Uh, it was, <laughs> I was of two minds. One was, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> yeah. And the other was, I can't believe I'm here. Yeah. I literally cannot believe we're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And it was such uh, just an amazing experience because we had a team that came together very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's fair to say that, I mean, I'll speak for myself, but I think it's applicable to others as well. There were times when all of us had the... I, I'm not sure, right? Another mm-hmm. step, altitude, mm-hmm. fill in the blank, food. Wa- I mean, it was there was some. It was very cold in the evenings. Mm-hmm. The days were beautiful. We lucked out with the weather. Okay. We absolutely lucked out. It was yeah. just mesmerizingly beautiful. Um, but where I was going with that was we. Most of us had days where it was it was tough, either physically or just okay. Can I can I do this for one more day? Mm-hmm. And uh, without the team. Everyone felt the team helping them. Hmm. Couldn't have done it without that team. A full stop. That's it. And you mentioned it was, it was uh, a team that you really hadn't climbed with before. Or, oh, or not ha- right? climbed with. Not yeah. only hadn't climbed with, yeah. hadn't really. I mean, we met on Zoom okay. because we were scheduled to go right before COVID started. So March of 2020. And obviously that did not happen. Right? And so it was rescheduled for last year. And so we had the opportunity to meet over Zoom. Some of the team members were able to meet in person beforehand. And, that's, and actually, I did too as well. Mm-hmm. But to actually spend the amount of time we spent together yeah. in those conditions, I mean, it was... It, and the best part of it is we see each other now. Uh, it's not as that's if, okay, really cool. we went to yeah. Everest, we did this amazing thing. It's yeah. um, It was an amazing group of people. That's amazing. Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, well, and, and back to that point, the parallels with kind of building that early camaraderie culture at a biotechnology company, um, there, there is similarities to that. I know firsthand, uh, you know, that well, kind you know. of, yeah, that kind of energy and that kind of trust, you know, as you're scaling quickly too, you may not even know who this new teammate is right, as they sit next to you. start trusting them <laughs> you because better, yeah. without them, you're not, it's not going to happen. And I think the, that's where the analogy is. You've done this before. You've built your own biotech company. So I think the, the analogies though, to what we do now are, are, it's just, it's a great analogy because you have times, right? Right now we're going through a really tough market, mm-hmm. right? This isn't, it's not going to be like this all the time, mm-hmm. but you just have to keep, head down, yeah. keep on going, right? You've got your team, you've got your mission, you know what you want to get, you know the end goal. Mm-hmm. And that, I think there are a lot of similarities there. The other thing that, I mean, we couldn't have done without our, our leaders. We had leaders who were just amazing. They had done this before. Mm-hmm. And I think, from a leadership perspective, they knew how to build the culture. They knew how to make sure everything was okay. I mean, there are really it, things could go south very quickly in those high altitudes. Mm-hmm. We were very clearly given what to do, what not to do. Yeah. Everyone followed suit. Yeah. But our leaders were incredible. 
That's very interesting the way you describe that, because to me, what it resonates is our journey together, uh, working together where you are an investment banker, mm-hmm. you are a lead banker on the IPO that we did for Advanced Life Sciences. Right. So all of what you described is the leader being able to take you into high altitudes, uh, someone that's been there before that can organize things and really set the stage and, and defend Um that was really your role uh, in in that process, and and many others. But I mean, that was that was a big deal. Yeah, that was a team effort, though. Uh, I mean, that's that that I think. Thank you, but yeah. that was very much a team effort. What I think about that journey, and that I think about, and and I will also say too. Remember that when we did, when you do an IPO, um, you know, the it, it's a many. Uh, faceted process. There are many base camps along the way, right? There's an initial team, there's a <clears throat> mission, and you know you're trying to get to the summit. Um, but in when you first look up at the summit, it looks, well, it seems like it's you daunting. can, like it's it's daunting. Like, how are we ever going to get there? And how, how does that happen? But then you got to chunk it out and yep, break, break it, it out down. into these base camps. And so, um, you know, for a team like ours, um, who are familiar with raising capital, mm-hmm. but less familiar with raising public capital, uh, it was a brand new experience. And so, you know, we had to, um, you know, recruit the investment bankers, uh, identify the legal team, the accounting team, all of the people that were going to be climbing to the top. With us together, right. And there there was, there's a lot of patience required. I, I do recall many times when we were trying to say, all right, we're going to start on this journey. Mm-hmm. But weather conditions were not great, Literally. meaning, you know, <laughs> weather, you know, the <laughs> geopolitical, all kinds of conditions. We had a few, yeah. the market. Yeah. I mean, right. that market wasn't too dissimilar from what we're going through now. It's true. It's true. Yeah. yeah. So like timing, figuring all those things out, but as the, as the team, uh, establishing, you know, and and trying to be, you know, patient, even though you're so eager to get out there. And then right. the next step in the process is you've got to file your S-1 registration statement to tell your story in a very right. detailed, technical, legalese way to the SEC so that when they give you clearance, which again, need a lot of patience to hear that you've got the green light to ultimately go on the roadshow. And the mm-hmm. roadshow, you know, is, you know, in our experience, it was a it was a four-week process. This is before today with Zoom. Pre-COVID. And, and, and it was, you know, <laughs> was, you, we went to 16 cities, met yep. with 110 different investors, and sure we'll did. date ourselves a little bit here. Uh, but yeah, that are. this IPO roadshow happened in uh, 2005, and um, there was um, a, a, a very, um, you know, crazy incident that, that happened Um this was not, you know, long after 9-11, so the yeah. world was kind of on edge to begin with. But with the day we started our roadshow, we flew over as a team to London, began our first meeting, um, and learned very quickly into that first presentation. Each presentation is about 30 minutes. Right. You speak with a portfolio manager, typically MD, PhD, knows the market, knows the product really well, and you have to tell your story very quickly and hopefully get them to invest, you know, $5 million in, into the book. That's the goal in every meeting. But sure into that meeting, we learned that um, there were uh, uh, bombs that went off in the subway, literally just below yeah, our, our where feet. we were. Yes, where we were. Yeah. yeah, and so there was a major evacuation, you know, of London. You know, out it was kind of a panic scene. So, like that was how we started. That's how we started the roadshow. <laughs> so, in terms of right, I I'm I can say with a pretty high degree of confidence, uh, there was not. A playbook for that one. Right. Right. Um, but we got through it. Yeah. And I think the team was 
terrific. I mean, again, the analogy, right? We kept calm. We kept our, just, this is, what do we need to do? Who do we need to listen to? How do we make sure that we're safe? Mm -hmm. Right. Which is a key, huge element in Everest. Just, we need to be safe. And how do we take care of each other to make sure that that's the case? Exactly. Yeah. Let's get on the plane. Yeah. We're going to Zurich tomorrow. Let's keep going. <laughs> Let's keep going. Because <laughs> and, that's what we have to, we have and, to keep going. Yes, and exactly. After we make sure we're all okay. Yeah, 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 no. And so, I mean, to me, that uh, is is what I can most closely approximate to what an experience, you know, that you had climbing climbing was, a mountain would, would be. It was incredible. I feel very, <laughs> very fortunate to have been able to do something like that and do it with the team that that we did it with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe back to the market, you know, yeah. you talked a little bit about, um, you know, what what the clues around, you know, today's market environment, share your thoughts on where we are today. You know, how should we be feeling about the year ahead? What are some of the trends to be aware of, particularly in that kind of preclinical through yeah. phase two type company? So we all know the market. We know what it's like. The conditions, are, it's challenging out there. And I think the key thing right now is cash conservation, right? Because investors, the bar is a little bit higher for new investments. Obviously, portfolio companies, um, that's something that investors are thinking about. But at the end of this, you and I, everyone has seen down markets, and we know they're going to end. And the question is, when will that happen? I don't have the answer to that. Mm-hmm. But... We're seeing some glimmers, I think. You know, we've seen a few IPOs happen, um, a few more financings. You know, it's the juxtaposition of having such... The liquidity was quite high during, you know, the COVID year, the COVID timeframe. And then that changed pretty suddenly. And so we have to adjust. Mm -hmm. And that's just the reality. We have to adjust. Good companies will still be financed. Good Pharma needs pipeline. Pharma will continue to buy. The question is how big and how many. And um, that's, yeah, this, we will come out of this, but we don't know how long it's going to last. Well, and, you know, what we always have going for us is the science. The science truly is transformative. It is a a very exciting time for breakthroughs in science, whether it's new cancer therapies and applications like CAR T or natural killer cells or whatever the case might be. Alzheimer's, right? I mean, when you look at the CNS space and the Mm -hmm. advanced, we're on the precipice of a lot of things happening in a very very great way. But um, yeah, the market's... A little, it's it's challenging out there right now. Yeah, and the way we've kind of seen it is it's a little bit of a tale of two cities. I mean, if you're kind of a late stage company, particularly if you only had a platform, but you're not yet public, it's challenging in particular for companies like that because, you know, the burn rate is high. You don't yet have a clinical stage asset. So a lot of those companies will need to either cut the burn, you know, you're seeing more layoffs or look for partnering opportunities, mergers uh, are all part of, and and who are they trying to merge with? Likely groups that have an asset in the clinic and those- Or have cash. Or have cash, a balance sheet to support the further development of the company. On the positive side, you know, there's record levels of- Capital that have been raised into That's dedicated right. life sciences funds from LPs. I was reading the Silicon Valley Bank report, which kind of does a recap on the previous year, comparing you know 2022 uh, fundraises into dedicated life sciences funds. It was only second only to the year before, which was historic levels of right. capital being raised in the space. Now, what's different is that capital needs to go longer into these companies. So maybe they're not investing in as many companies, but there still is, there's still cash. It's there certain markets, 
you know, if you go back to 2008 and that time frame, there was no the liquidity was a was a problem for right. the markets. Cash is <laughs> not me. necessarily a problem for the markets. If you have good science, you have a good team, you have a good thesis, and you have a breakthrough opportunity, it, it's going to get funded. Yes. One thing that I noted in the recent report as well was the increased trend toward growth in ecosystems and investments in those ecosystems, meaning right. venture investments in ecosystems that are you know outside of the normal hotspots of outside Boston of the coast. and the Bay Area. Yeah. So that was interesting to see. And it certainly tracks with our thesis that more and more of the innovative talent at the university level, which is kind of the source of innovation for biotech, is distributing, you know, across the United States. And if empowered to be in the right, you know, with the right ecosystem locally, well, it's what you know, you're doing. Choose to to be there. So it's definitely, exactly it's, what you're it's doing. heartening to see that. Yeah, so it's I'm, nice to see the data play out, maybe to great. underpin and maybe prove that out to some degree. I also think COVID has changed that a little bit, right? Because all of us were on Zoom all the time, and so instead of I mean, yes, logistically, is it easier if an investor has a company not too far away from them mm -hmm. rather than a place that where they have to get on a plane, of course. But it's clear that we can do things over Zoom. We mm -hmm. can do board meetings. We In-person is always better mm -hmm. in my, from my perspective, yeah. but things can get done. Absolutely, remote remote yeah. teams, and you know I'm part part of a, you know, a company that has, you know, 75 employees, and they they're represented across 15 different states. Right. You know, so they've got a CMO in Florida, and that's they've a got lot, a CSO. Yes. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's distributed. That's a lot of distribution. <laughs> it's distributed. Um, yes, and I think, but I think you can do more remotely. You can, for especially senior management positions as it relates to core teams that yep. should be local and proximate to each other and ideally near the innovation that's that's arising. One uh, question I have for you is again in your in your climb, you know, through your career, um, you've had the opportunity to be part of um, teams at uh, large well-known banks uh, substantially sized and uh, more boutique focused life mm -hmm. sciences banks. Um, you know, you're you're blazing a trail. I mean, there are not there are not a lot of women that are able to pursue that path. Give me your thoughts on some of the challenges that women who are trying to follow behind you need to be aware of as they ascend to new heights. I mean, one of the things that That's... we're trying to do within this podcast is to try to make biotech more accessible mm -hmm. to a broader represented population of people that should. Be welcomed and and want and be part of the process at, at at every level, from the science to the business to the leadership team to the boardroom. Yeah. Any thoughts around your experience there, and maybe just trends that are maybe moving in a direction that can help diversify um, representation by mm -hmm. women leaders like you in biotech. So I think one of the key things along those lines is everyone says this, but I think it's very true, mentorship. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's a man-woman thing. I think that's important as you move through a career, right, to have people who have done this before and can help. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty important. And then coming back to people in general, it's the team, you know, one surrounds themselves with. That's so, That's we learn through, you know, other people. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the critical critical component there. Um, in terms of you know moving forward, do we see more diversity happening? I think I think it's going in the right direction. 
Good. Yeah, yeah. that's encouraging. And that's my observation yeah. as well. Um, a lot of work to do. It's still, you know, but trending maybe toward a path where so. there's greater awareness, there are more uh, a focus and a recognition that it makes business sense to have a very diverse you know, focus around team building and also patient populations that no, you are trying to solve problems for. Because right. if the common denominator is the patient, mm-hmm. patients are pretty diverse. Yeah. I mean, that, right, if we always, if we keep that in kind of front of mind, yeah. that's kind of how do we backtrack from there and say, okay, it's a diverse, the world's diverse. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, a- along your pathway, speaking of, you know, uh, a lot of people, I know you're from a big Greek family. Talk a little bit about, <laughs> talk a, a little big. bit about that, the influence of your family on your career, on the way you guide yourself. Um, and, you know, do you, do you draw strength from that or um, is, you know, what, or, or do you, yeah. you fill in the blanks? Yeah. So I am, I have a, a large extended family there. It's amazing. This, we had talked about this before the podcast started this past summer we all the whole family went to Greece mm-hmm. and it was pretty incredible and I think that that's an easy question in terms of what I you know drawing strength and drawing uh, just having both my parents are from Greece came over here mm-hmm. um, and just raised their kids in hopes of a better life and I'm gonna get emotional but yeah that's okay. yeah it's um people cry they, on this podcast <laughs> all the time <laughs> but that it's pretty it's that's straightforward. I mean, they raised us with, you know, you, you're lucky to live where you live, so better make the most of it. Yeah. So, yeah. and yeah, great role models. Yeah. But were there any fights or any arguments along the way? Or? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not at I all. I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> From one no, big family to no, another. No, yeah. exactly. I mean, I think in terms <laughs> of size, that you <laughs> definitely trump the size. <laughs> yeah, there were... Let's just say healthy discussions. And that's that's good. <laughs> spirited, spirited discussions. Spirited discussions. Yeah, that's great. Um, it, as you look ahead, what are some of the things and ambitions you have, you know, for yourself as you think of the next couple of years and direction? Yeah. You know, are there new summits that you're looking to to aim toward as you um, set your sights on the next phase of your career? Yeah, definitely thinking about what's next, how to do things, always thinking about how to do things, not necessarily differently, but in a better fashion. So what does that mean, you know, to be determined? But the opportunity, to, for instance, to come here and learn more about, I mean, I I know about Portal, but what you're doing and if there's a way to be helpful there and outside of the coasts, right, what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, continuing to think about how to do things a little bit differently. We've seen some new venture models even in the last few days of, you know, one group saying we've raised uh, quite a bit of money and we're yeah. going to do things a little bit differently for right. founders. Yeah. Was that think, the Curie one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that was announced yesterday the yes. day before. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we'll see our world evolve as tech becomes a little bit more entrenched with biotech, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We see the AI component. How does it impact clinical trials? I mean, some very pragmatic things. And then I'm sure visionary things that are going to come along that are just going to change the way we do what we do. Any, uh, as, as we close the conversation, any um, thoughts around advice you can offer our audience, particularly those that are kind of just getting started, maybe, you know, choosing their college path or their major, any thoughts or guidance that you would have for people that are looking to kind of follow in your footsteps? Yeah, I think there has to be, um, you just have to like biotech, right? Like Mm -hmm. science, like Mm -hmm. impacting, again, and me in a a small way, not on the science side, but just on the advisory side. Um, 
how do we help patients? Yeah. And so if that's of interest, some people do it in different ways, right? They go into medicine, they get their PhD. They, there are a number of different ways to do that. You can go into a company. But I think it's you don't have to necessarily understand the science completely, but a good understanding of the science, really liking that mm-hmm. piece, and knowing what you're you know, getting yourself into. It's not, you have to, again, the analogy of Everest, you have to, the journey matters. It's a long climb too. It's a, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you have to like the yeah. journey. Yeah. Right. You have and to there stop. Are a few, some, there's some setbacks along the way too. Yeah. yeah. And there's also, you need to purposely stop and look around and say, okay, this is where we are. Mm. L- look at this. Yeah. This is amazing. That's a good point. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. No, I think um, it, 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 it's, it is a pathway that people have to be prepared for a long journey. It's it's the long game. If you're going in long, yeah. biotech, it's it's the long game. And, but I do believe that you don't need to be a scientist. You need to understand and respect the science Agreed. and the scientist, but you don't need to be a scientist no. to be part of biotech. Um, in fact, it's sometimes even more important that you're coming with a different perspective right. so you can translate and tell that story. Back to the story. I mean, the value when I come back to your... Uh, what you're doing at ESC, I mean, you're unlocking the value to create of of a company, an idea, to ultimately try to solve a problem for a patient. But the unlocking happens in the translation. It is the story, yeah. and oftentimes the individual or the team that's working on the the beautiful story doesn't really even know how to tell that story. So the investment banker is coming in to help really bring those resources in right. in the form of helping that team tell the bigger story. Right. Both on paper, in person, right? Yeah. Most of them have it down already, but there's, yeah. you know, it's it's great to be able to position the company yeah. and have, you know, the investor side have reaction there and the strategic side yeah. have reaction there too. Well, you're too humble. Again, in, I, in helping us tell our story, I know that you were tough on us and you I, gave I, us guidance <laughs> maybe and sometimes. we followed your lead and we succeeded. Yeah. We yes. ultimately got to the summit there. We did price the IPO and we're able to move on forward and try to keep moving down the road. So, exactly. so with that in mind, I want to uh, thank you again, Yvonne, for um, oh, our friendship, you. our long journey together. I look forward to collaborating as we keep moving forward here. And um, thank you so much for the impact that you've made in the industry too. Well, thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here and thank you. Thanks for joining us today. It was another great episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with our guest today and were inspired the way I was. Looking forward to reconvening again in two weeks. Please visit our website at labratstounicorns.com. We welcome any of your comments, feedback, ideas. If you want me to ask certain questions of guests or you have ideas of people that we should be interviewing. That is all goodbye.